Hello and welcome back to OT and Chill, all things occupational therapy with me, Kwaku. Hello guys, thank you so much for waiting for me for another episode. On the episode today, I am speaking to Lauren Osborne, an occupational therapist who works in wheelchair services. And this forms part of a mini-series I would like to put together, exploring the skills needed to work in some of these specialist areas that often doesn't really get talked about or we just see as the usual areas of practice for occupational therapy. So I hope you enjoy it and let's get right into it. So on the episode today, I've got Lauren Osborne just with me to talk about what she does um hello lauren you right hi yeah hi thanks for having me thanks for joining me taking the time out to come and join me today so so who is lauren what do you do uh how did you come about to become an occupational therapist and yeah what are you doing right now so um so yeah my name's lauren i've been an occupational therapist for coming up for about 13 years now um and i got into occupational therapy um a little bit later in life which i think a lot of people do Mm. um so i initially started out um actually probably my first influence was through my teenage years i volunteered with the red cross on uh, respite holidays for disabled children and i absolutely loved doing that and it was it was a really good opportunity to um really see you know children kind of not having their disabilities as a limitation to them mm. and you know we we could take them abseiling and we took them on canoes we played loads of different games and did lots of art classes and things and it was just a really eye-opening thing experience for me um you know as a young teenager to see the power of um you know going beyond your capabilities as it were Mm -hmm. and um so I knew I really wanted to work with disabled children in some form um I knew I didn't want to be a teacher or a nurse and I didn't really know at the time what else there was so um in a roundabout way I kind of ended up um at the disability rights commission and I um was a support worker for their head of policy and um, got into kind of supporting the policy team. And then um, when the disability equality duties came out, I then moved into that team and and helped to support them to deliver conferences and um, a presence on the exhibition stand to to deliver out the guidance for what people in the public sector had to do for their um, responsibilities under the disability equality duty. Mm -hmm. And... That was a really interesting experience at quite a young age, all in my early 20s. Um, I got to go to all the political party conferences and a lot of public wow. sector events, met a lot of politicians who at the time I had no idea who they were. <laughs> I wasn't really into politics at the time, so I, I you know, didn't really kind of appreciate the, the people I was around with. Yeah. So um, I look back on it now with a slightly different viewpoint. Um, but that was a really interesting experience. And whilst I was working there, we had obviously a lot of the workforce had different disabilities. And um, I remember in particular one of um, my colleagues who was a wheelchair user, um, we were talking and um, she said to me that she had an occupational therapist and it kind of Made, got me thinking and I thought you know what actually I think back to those children's holidays I did and how we went abseiling with the children in their wheelchairs and you know we managed to strap their wheelchairs down in canoes and things and who's the person that does wheelchairs for kids that would be a really cool job yeah. so I just kind of googled it and, and found occupational therapy and then I just thought wow this is what I've supposed to been doing with my life yeah, <laughs> you know that that was the thing I was looking for that I didn't know 
existed. So, um, so I decided to leave my job and went back to uni full time. And uh, I remember kind of my first couple of days at uni sitting in the lecture theatre and I had a real sense of you know belonging and these are my people <laughs> like th this is this is where I'm supposed to be exactly <laughs> and um and yeah it was just it was always focused on moving into to wheelchair prescription it was that was always my ideal really because I'm quite a practical person I like to problem solve and I really like to see the fruits of my labor as well so I like to be able to kind of see a problem make some suggestions or um you know find some solutions and uh, and then see the influence that that input has had and mm. hopefully positively mm. and so that kind of works really well in the wheelchair service yeah. so um so then when i when i graduated and i got my first job in a um a physical rotation i really chose my rotation specifically so that i would get the right experience for moving into the wheelchair service eventually so I did um, surgical and orthopedics worked a lot with amputees and um, I did um, a little bit of social services which was really helpful looking at kind of adaptations and the housing environment and um, you know door widening and ramped access and things and then um, I was that keen that I actually booked today's annual leave and I phoned up my local wheelchair service and asked if I could come and shadow them to see what they did so I, I went and did that and uh, and I remember speaking to the therapist at the time I basically said to her what do I need to be you like how do I get to be you and she said I, said, I explained the experience that I'd already got and she said right I think it'd be really helpful if you had some neuro experience okay. so um so the next day I went back to my my uh, manager and I said right I'm going to do the neuro rotation next please <laughs> and uh, I did a year on the cute stroke unit which was really really useful it was an incredibly steep learning curve but it really taught me a lot about um, manual handling and supporting people who are really unable to support their their own posture um, and that was an incredibly useful experience. And then from there, I managed to get a job in the wheelchair service. And nine years later, <laughs> I still love it. So, uh, yeah. So it would be right for me to call you uh, an expert in this field, right? Well, a I don't... Specialist, at least. I definitely call myself a wheelchair geek. <laughs> okay. 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 I am a massive geek when it comes to wheelchairs. I, I love it all. I see. I've been, I'm trying to think through my... Well, right now I've got no experience of uh, wheelchairs or anything mm. like that um, in my line of work. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just trying to think back to when I was studying, and I remember well, during my uh, 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 training, mm -hmm. we went to a wheelchair service in London somewhere, and they taught us how, a little bit about some of the different types of wheelchairs they had. We got to use some of them, tried some of them out, and, mm -hmm. and it was actually a very, very interesting. Uh, um, day uh, trip that yeah. we had there um, and I've always found it fascinating that occupational therapists has, have such a massive role in, in this specific area um, because definitely um, because we're ultimately enabling people to do the things that they want to do that's the, absolutely yeah <laughs> think about occupational therapy that's what we want to do uh, well exactly I mean I, I always feel that posture is the foundation of function so if you want somebody to be able to do something their posture needs to be supported in the correct way so that they're able to actually do that thing whatever it is mm -hmm. so as occupational therapists we want people to be um you know engaged in activity and able to do their daily you know whatever it is that they want to be able to do but if 
if they're actually stuck in a chair that doesn't fit them properly and they're hanging onto the armrest for dear life trying not to slide out of the seat Mm. or if they're actually physically unable to hold their head up then they're not really going to be able to see or use their hands functionally or you know just have the kind of structure to be able to do and engage in any activity so for me I feel that it's really important actually as occupational therapists that we really support people's posture before we ask them to do an activity or some whatever it is that we're, we're trying to engage them in that's that's really interesting uh, and well, I, I would like, love to hear more about that actually about mm. posture and uh so and, and then we can link in some of the skills that yeah sure. occupational therapy, because again me, I probably don't have to <laughs> <laughs> assessing that. I'm not oh. hands up and say that. I'm not, but obviously I'm willing to learn. But thinking about posture, how do you what skills do an, does an occupational therapist have and what kind of assessments would you do to assess someone's um posture? What, what what kind of things do you look at? Sure. So um when you're assessing posture, it's always really helpful if you've got a plinth to or a or a firm surface that you can put the person on. Um it's great if you can start off in a lying position so that you can have a feel of their um, their pelvis, have a look at their spine and um, just it kind of make some observations and, and, and also get hands on. You need to be able to feel the bone structure and see, um, you know, whether the position that you can achieve with their body, is it um, neutral alignment or is it slightly... Um, you know, maybe the pelvis is oblique or it's rotated and can you position it back into neutral alignment? So um, what can their body achieve, basically? And then um, you want to have a look at their um, hip range of movement and the knees, ankles, um, and just kind of make some general observations about their head position, their trunk and their arms. Or, you know, are they free moving? Are they supporting themselves up? Um you know how are they how are they kind of presenting and then moving into a seated position you usually need two people if you're doing a full postural assessment um Mm -hmm. assuming that the um the person is kind of unable to support themselves obviously some people can move from a lying to a sitting position and sit up without any support but um a lot of the people i see have quite complex needs so it usually takes two of us to um complete the assessment and um one supporting them from behind and the other kind of taking some observations from the front and again just looking at the position of the pelvis you know is it level is it um is it rotated or oblique is um is it able to be positioned back into you know as close to a neutral position as possible what's happening with the spine is there any curves that are happening can the person hold their head up or do they need support to do that um you know what kind of position can you can you sit them in basically just on a firm surface because when you sit on a on a firm flat plinth what you're doing is um removing any other things that might have an influence on that person's posture so you're really seeing their body structure for what the body can achieve and um that's really important because if you if you just observe or obsess somebody's posture already seated in the wheelchair they've come in obviously that seat is going to have an influence on the way that they sit it might have quite a saggy seat canvas or a really squashy cushion or um you know the the seat might be too wide for them so they might be really leaning to one side and actually they're only leaning to the side because the seat's too wide it's not because they actually can't sit straight upwards so when when you get them out onto a plinth it really gives you um kind of a baseline for what your what support that person then needs in their posture so um 
So when yes. people come to you, so, so that's that, it's just fascinating, by the way. Mm. Like again, uh, that's why I find it. I find occupational therapy amazing because everyone has got so many different. Skills. It really strikes <laughs> me how such a broad profession yeah. that can do yeah. so many things. It's yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive yeah. because then yeah, someone has come to you. Um, mm-hmm. From from my just general observations of people, um, wheelchair users, mm-hmm. um, uh, sometimes you, I look at them and think um, that is not right. I can I can see straight away sometimes that that is not a comfortable mm-hmm. uh, position for that person to be in. So, how often does um, do you have to assess people once they have um, had this posture posture assessment? Do you so- do it on a like a regular basis or it really depends on the person and what their condition is and what their needs are um so some people we might only see once they may um just have a standard wheelchair that they use for a few hours outdoors only and they can walk indoors maybe with an aid or um just you know a short distance so we might only see that person once and just issue them with a standard wheelchair we do um everything from a kind of basic transit wheelchair right up to custom molded seating with um powered wheelchairs with heads switches where people are unable to use their hands to drive the chair so they use um they can just lean their head inside the headrest and it moves the chair mm. um i've got a couple of people who drive their powered wheelchair with their big toe they've got a joystick mounted on their foot plates um so it really depends on the individual and what it is that they need um some people you might see kind of every few months because their their condition is changing um so for example someone with motor neurone disease or ms who um you know their posture might change over time and their their needs might might change and they might um require kind of different adjustments or um different supports to be put within their wheelchair Mm. so um yeah it's very interesting A, a lot of people i think think a wheelchair is just a chair with wheels and it's really very not <laughs> I can, I can, so I can see that yeah I mean people come in all different shapes and sizes so wheelchairs come in all different shapes and sizes mm. um you know you have to find the right equipment to fit the person and I think that's another reason why I really love it because I've always been really interested in um you know supporting anybody to do what it is they want to do um but in the way that they want to do it so why should the things uh, sorry why should the people have to fit the things the things should fit the people yeah, so yeah. how can you adapt it how can you make it the right way for them you know okay you need a little bit of padding there what can i make that i can stick there you know that sort of thing where um thinking outside the box and being a bit more creative that if there isn't an off-the-shelf piece of equipment that does that job how can we make it and what can we do to support just, that person i was just thinking then how then because a lot of stuff nowadays in in this world mm. <laughs> it's, it's all in the shops right yeah it's not there's not a lot of um things that I don't know, maybe, uh, of course, I'm not in your setting, but how often do you have to actually make things yourself and use your skills and and, and move um, stuff around and actually adapt things on, on someone's um, wheelchair? Or do you, do you see it? You can't do it yourself. Then you work with other agencies to make it happen. Yeah, so we've got, um, we've got rehabilitation engineers that work with us and we'll often work together to find solutions. Um, we've got some really good guys in our workshop as well who are really excellent at making different modifications. Um, so, for example, if I've got somebody who... Um, 
uh, they've got a powered wheelchair with a centre mounted foot plate and, and everything fits fine but actually they can't wear shoes and the foot plate's made of metal so we need to pad the foot plate so that to protect their feet and protect them from pressure um, so you know I have been to one of the guys in the workshop and said right I've got this foot plate I need it to be cushioned and padded with this type of material and they will just make it just wow. just like that like it's just it's fabulous and um i i joke often actually it's quite funny because sometimes we'll do like a, almost a little pictionary drawing <laughs> and i'll say right i need one of these that does that that can make that happen and fit there and and they just go yeah okay i know what you mean and they go off and they make it and it's exactly what i had in my head yeah. but i don't some you know i guess you get that from years of working with the same people is that um you know they you just get in tune with each other and you know kind of how to yeah. fix those problems yeah, yeah. um and obviously everyone's different as well so you must have seen a what nine years in in wheelchair services you must have seen the whole range of Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like you said, everyone comes in different shapes. And obviously, definitely. Of course, you work with, um, I'm guessing you work with children as well. Um, we do. So then, we're, uh, we're a cradle to grave service. So um, we start at 30 months and right up to over 100 years old we've had. Wow. So um, and equally, that's really nice because you will then see people over their lifespan mm. and you get to know them and you get to know their story and, you know, who their friends are and what the day centre is and what's the name of their dog and all of that kind of thing. And I really love having that kind of relationship with our service users and mm. and being able to kind of you it's almost like catching up with a friend sometimes you, mm. you know for the for the people that you see relatively regularly you can kind of say oh wow you know you've really grown or nice to see you and how was your holiday last time you were going away and what was it like and it those kind of things right? absolutely so Definitely. Tell, me this, tell me this Lauren so you've got You've got this knowledge and all this experience. Um, hmm. uh, how wh- what is your typical day looking like? Look looks like um, what if if there is such thing as a typical, a well, typical day? <laughs> what, does it, what does it look like in a, in a wheelchair service? And how how does um, how do you use your experience to uh, bring the best and make use that to your advantage? Basically, sure. So I mean, I guess there is a typical day in terms of the format. But equally, no day is the same because um, everyone who comes through the door is different. So which which is an excellent challenge in itself, because um, it means that you're always thinking up new things and trying to find new solutions. So um, from a job satisfaction point of view, that's brilliant. Um, but I would say a typical day, you kind of you come in and we all have what we call a running sheet. So that's a list that gives you what appointments you have that day. Um, our appointments are all made by a, a customer services team who book them in for us um, according to the priority of the waiting list. And, um, you know, you tend to have around four appointments in clinic because um, they can often be an hour to two hours each. So that depending on the complexity of what you're doing that day, um, they can be a mixture of assessments and handovers. Um, so a handover appointment is when you've um, you've done the assessment, the wheelchair kit is in and you're then fitting it for the person so they would come back sit in the new chair have any adjustments made they might need their foot plate height adjusting or a new backrest fitting or um you know there's pelvic belts and harnesses and headrests and all sorts of different accessories that we use so all of those have to be fitted into the right place for the person um but yeah so we kind of we arrange our week as it were so that um i will have one day in the week where i'm doing visits for the day 
and that would be um, out to people's homes. We see people in care homes or um, at day centres. Sometimes we see children in their schools mm. and it really just depends kind of what's come up on the waiting list and what needs to be seen. Um, so we've got our own uh, fleet of vans that we use with ramps on the back. So I might, if I'm taking some chairs out, I would load up the van and off on my merry way with my van full of wheelchairs <laughs> and, you know, completing my appointments. And again, that's a, that's a something else that I really enjoy because it's a mixture of community and clinic. You really get um, like a different kind of experience every day as well. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, uh, so that's, you know, I'm thinking about it. In most people's jobs, um, well, in terms of occupational therapy, anyway, yeah, there's never, there's never, it's never uh, a day yeah, the same. Yeah, never yeah. the same. I mean, we get the opportunity to get to know people and go and see people in their own. Um, environments and things like that and I, I really like that as well when you're talking about going out to visit people in the schools I remember when I was on placement mm-hmm. um, in the children's services and I used to work in a like a like a special needs uh, school mm-hmm. um, and uh, I remember the someone coming <laughs> with mm-hmm. their van because they wanted one of the young people to try out different um uh powered um wheelchairs and it was, yeah. it was just it was just it was just really cool because they came and then they set up like like a circuit like a cone circuit and, yeah. and they were testing out so it it is in a way it's exciting but i can i can imagine our people probably listening now thinking oh my god that this job can be i can imagine how difficult it is or how not so yeah. exciting or how how not so sexy wheelchair mm-hmm. service. <laughs> um, and what what do you what, what is there one thing that you would say that you really really enjoy about your your, your job and 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 i have done so over the uh last nine years yeah definitely i think for me the important thing is i just really love being able to help people do what they want to do so you know we're all busy we've all got things we want to do and places we want to go if you need a bit of help to get there then you know i'm i'm really happy to be that person mm. and i I absolutely love it when somebody comes into clinic and and they say to me, oh, you know, I'm I'm really uncomfortable or I've got really bad neck ache or, um, you know, you can see that they're just not sat very comfortably. And then you can kind of have a have a bit of a discussion about what it is that they need or how, you know, how things are feeling for them. And you can often make a few observations and go, okay, well, maybe if I tweak this little bit here and I adjust that little bit there and how about if we fit one of these and then, and then review it again and you know i've had some people say to me oh my gosh now i feel taller <laughs> because actually their trunk is better supported and um you know they've been able to open their chest up and they've said oh wow i really feel like i can breathe a lot better because i can actually feel my lungs now and you know where they've been sort of scrunched over with their shoulders rounding actually supporting their posture in a better way they can actually really fill their lungs up and you know though <laughs> that's just amazing I just think that's so satisfying to have somebody come into clinic you know feeling really uncomfortable looking not very comfortable doing a few tweaks for them and then they go out you know with a massive smile on their face looking great and I just think what's more satisfying than that really you just you know help that person on their day and they've um hopefully go off to have you know a much yeah. easier life or a more comfortable life because of it and uh, it's, it sounds like you in your work sometimes you can get these instant um mm. instant success stories sometimes uh, yeah. yeah sometimes um yeah at the same time if, if you can i don't know think about what's the most challenging uh wheelchair that you've had to provide for someone um 
uh, that was like you thought, oh my gosh, oh, I need all my experience for this or <laughs> my colleagues' experience. I know you don't do everything you put yeah. yourself, but no, of course. What's the most challenging um, uh, case that you've had? So um, I think with probably a, a mixture of a few, because um, then equally it won't identify any particular person. Course, but, yeah. um, you know, I would say some of the, some of the people we see who have um, maybe quite a strong extensor push where they um, they really need to stretch out and they can lift their bottom in the seat um, and they need to then come back to obviously a seated position because if you have a big strong stretch out and your bottom lifts it can then shift in the seat and you can slide so sometimes it can be quite challenging supporting those people who um, maybe have uncontrolled movements as well um, where you want to be able to support their posture but equally you can't really restrict their movement they need to be able to move um, so that it's not painful for them and you don't want to restrain them but you need to be able to support them so that they're not going to wriggle out of the seat um and there's been quite a lot of problem solving i think with um with we've got a several service users i would say who actually can can drive their powered chair with their foot and that's been quite challenging because um the nature of moving your foot has an effect on your pelvis so if you're driving with a joystick it it does shift your pelvis so um trying to secure that pelvis in the seat <laughs> while still enabling them to drive with their foot has been a bit of a challenge sometimes um I can imagine i can just, I just yeah. imagine how it's like it I'm, <laughs> I'm moving my foot now and it, it it does change your whole your whole body the way you're, you're absolutely you imagine yeah. to do so delicately and exactly you know, guide exactly. yourself to wherever you need to go That's yeah. It, yeah and some of those people have um you know they they use their feet very very functionally they've got an ipad maybe mounted down by their foot plates and they can use twitter and everything with their toes it's fascinating amazing amazing, amazing. yeah oh, and there's cool. um sorry no, carry on, carry on. Sorry. I was going to say, you know, occasionally you get some people who um, they come up with their own solutions as well, which is amazing. And, um, you know, we've got um, some people who've kind of built their own chairs or come up with their own solutions to particular problems that they have, sometimes perhaps a little unsafely. Um, but equally, other times, you know, it's you can't kind of knock the creativity of, of the problem solving. It's really, it's it's amazing what ideas people come up with. They have had um, one lady Velcro her husband's shoes to the footplate so that his feet wouldn't slide off the footplates. <laughs> um, you know, there's been other people who have maybe um, tried to make, you know, like the, um, the riser cushions you can get in armchairs that help you to stand. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody used one of those in their wheelchair, but because it had a seat canvas, it wasn't a firm enough surface. So they put literally a plank of wood in their seat to put that cushion on top so that it could help them to stand up from the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when you see those kind of things, what, do you, <laughs> what happens? What happens to you? What happens to you? Or do you just I mean, say, let's try to do it. Differently <laughs> it, yeah. it, it depends on the situation. Some, I mean, you know, you say you have to, give um credit for creativity and and you know thinking through and trying to work out a solution and sometimes there are safer options that we can then offer and say well that's a great idea but maybe we could try this instead which might be safer um you know obviously it's always a bit of a discussion as well as to um what's going to work for that person and uh and I think that's a really important part of our role too, is that it's always got to be a collaborative approach. So, um, you know, whatever we're prescribing for somebody, 
we have to kind of make sure it's going to meet their needs of, of what they've described they they need it for so i think it's really important to make sure that our assessment um really listens to that person and finds out how they're going to use that wheelchair what what do they need to do where do they need to go how are they going to kind of do it are they lifting it in and out of the chair by the, the car by themselves you know are they um hoisted for their transfers do they have support from multiple different carers that are changing all the time um you know what what's their situation basically and then um you know some people look to us and they say things like um you know you tell me what i should have you're the expert and i say well i've got a lot of knowledge of wheelchairs and cushions but i'm not you and you know or i'm not your child or your family member you know you're an expert in in them and their care or you're an expert in yourself and i can tell you what's available and i can describe the properties of that product but ultimately you're the person who has to use it and um and know whether or not it's going to work for you so at the end of the day i can walk away from this appointment you've actually got to use that wheelchair or sit on that cushion and it's got to meet the needs of of what you need it to do for you so um you know, I almost see our role as a bit of a um, coordinator in that respect because you're kind of listening to the person of, of what they need to do and where they need to go and how they want to sit and what's comfortable for them. You're also assessing their posture to see where you feel they need some support and then you're trying to match them up, you know, with different products that you're aware of um, to, to try and put together the right combination of equipment that's going to help them to be you know the most mobile the most independent and the most functional that they're able to be which is which is which is the i suppose one of the main aims um of, of people being in uh using or using the wheelchair absolutely in, in the first place um i did when you're talking i was thinking about how um you know we, we talk about the pressures of the healthcare system mm. um, and uh, we know obviously things cost money yeah <laughs> of course and, 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 the, and wheelchairs are incredibly expensive that's what i was about to say so, <laughs> well how does i don't know if you're involved in that kind of um mm. budgeting or is it like a social services thing how, has that hindered um the provision of it or does it take longer for certain people to receive the right um wheelchairs or is there yeah. like uh, battles <laughs> over budgets about stuff because i can imagine it's quite an expensive yeah. thing especially especially when um i can just imagine working with children who are growing who are absolutely yeah so the they time. change all the time all absolutely the time, yeah. yeah and you know depending on the complexity of the equipment as well you know if you're doing a custom molded seat for somebody um you're easily talking sort of several thousand pounds for just the seat regardless of what base you then put it on it could be another few thousand pounds for the base as well and and then if they have head switching that could be another couple of thousand pounds so you know some people's equipment can come to easily sort of five to ten thousand pounds and that's at the nhs discounted rate so you know yeah (laughs) wheelchairs are incredibly expensive and um yes uh, unfortunately budget does come into decision making in some respect because ultimately we are um you know we're spending nhs money so we have to ensure that it's as fair and as equitable as it can be for for the most amount of people um and you know you have to to be wary that that effectively is public money and um you know needs to be used appropriately but equally you you know you sometimes you are really torn and sometimes your hands are tied and you would like to be able to give people things that um you know they may be 
don't meet the eligibility criteria for, which can be really tough actually because you know you can see that that thing might help that person but um you know for example someone who might have um quite a painful condition um but actually they're they're still able to walk when they want a power chair just to use for outdoors that's um something for our in terms of our eligibility criteria we don't provide powered wheelchairs for outdoor only use it has to be for somebody's primary method of mobility if they're unable to self-propel or unable to walk at all and that can be really hard because somebody might be able to walk around their small house or their small flat um, but actually they can't get to the local shops and they can't get to their friend's house around the corner or they can't get to um, I don't know the local park or wherever it is they want to go or take their children to school and you can really see how actually having a powered chair for outdoors would really help them but indoors they don't really need it so that can often be a really tricky situation um so i mean off the back of that we have actually as a service compiled a list of different charities and we do signpost people to different charities um and we have a community engagement officer who is actually one of our wheelchair users um and he um he's got some great experience of previously working with the Citizens Advice Bureau and he's aware of lots of other charities and funds that he can tap into. So for some people who, um, you know, our hands might be tied in terms of eligibility criteria, we can then speak to him and say, look, you know, is there anything else that you're aware of that can help this person? Because there are different schemes out there. Um, Motability, for example, have a scheme where if if you receive the higher rate of mobility allowance um, and and you don't use it for a motability vehicle, you can use it towards a, a powered scooter or a powered wheelchair. So that can be helpful for some people. Um, so it really depends on the situation, but yeah, there. I mean, there is, unfortunately, there is eligibility criteria, and it can, it can be a, a tricky conversation sometimes. Um, you know what? I'm listening to you, and I can see, like, I can see yeah. people, people listening. Can't see. I can see how sad <laughs> you are when you're even talk, having to talk about money. I think, as, I, I think know. everyone that has to talk about money because you're ultimately our job is just to work with people. I just want to help people. That's all I want to do. I know. Um, I know. But we, at the same time, we, we, we're restricted by... Um, you know, I always funds. say, every time the Euro Millions comes up with like over 100 odd million, I'm always like, right, I'm going to win the Euro Millions and then everyone can have whatever wheelchair they need. <laughs> I'm just going to buy it for all of you. You can all have everything. Um, oh, one, day. Like <laughs> one day. One day. One day. <laughs> um, uh, I was just thinking about... Um, I'm guessing seeing that you've been in the wheelchair services as an occupational therapist for many years now mm. how how um widespread is OTs in this this area of um practice um is it or is it very quite specialist or OTs everywhere in in terms of dealing with um or issuing wheelchairs and assessing for wheelchairs um I think it's quite specialist really in terms of the um the area of OT that it is we we also work quite closely with physiotherapists as well so a, a wheelchair therapist could be a physio or an OT okay. and our team is mixed we have um we have both and we do I guess we kind of approach the assessment in a slightly different way to each other because we're obviously going with our OT or our physio hat on um but equally I would imagine well I pretty sure that over the years our skill set kind of merges and crosses over to a certain extent Mm. um 
and uh, I did I have a physio in my team who um, recently said to me that I've converted her to OT's way of thinking oh, that's, that's <laughs> so, really good <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was quite a funny conversation um, but then equally you know I bounce ideas off of her as well and it's really useful to kind of have a physio's point of view sometimes when you're talking very specifically about a particular position of a joint or you know a particular muscle structure that's um, you know presenting in a very specific way so um, I, that can be really helpful and you know we just we work together um, pretty well mm-hmm. but in terms of kind of OT I think um, it's always very difficult to, re- to recruit for wheelchairs as well because it is a bit of a niche area I think for some people it's a bit marmite they either love it or they don't mm-hmm. and I think um, certainly the ones who love it seem to stay forever <laughs> Um, one of my colleagues calls them a lifer. So as soon as we get a new member of staff, she always goes up to them and says, right, are you a lifer? Are you going to stay forever? <laughs> um, and other people, you know, they might come and, and try it out for a year or two and then move on to other things. So um, in some areas, it is on a rotation. That's not always possible in every area, but um, some places do have it on rotation, which I think is helpful to, you know, constantly have new people coming through. But yeah. I think... I was just yeah. thinking about even I, I can't recall any of my um, uh, colleagues uh, peers at university ever having a, a specific wheelchair um, placement. Maybe they did. I, I can't. Yeah. Recall. I do, I do, do you get students? Do you take on? We students? do. We yeah. So I so I never had any opportunities for a wheelchair placement, and I would have absolutely given my right arm for that. So. Um, I specifically decided as soon as I was up and ready and I had enough experience myself, I was going to do student placements. So, um, so I've had 15 students now from five wow. different universities wow. um, from the BSE, MSc and the apprenticeship courses. And I absolutely love taking students. I think it's just the best thing ever. And, you know, we've got a student at the moment and he's fabulous and he's going to make such an amazing OT. And he even, he contacted me on Twitter and asked to come on placement with us. And, um, he's done his dissertation around wheelchairs as well so he's kind of he's a lifer then really he's a lifer yeah yeah Yeah, I would keep him forever if we could but um he actually lives a bit far away so uh he's he's just here for his placement and then he'll be going back to where he lives um but yeah so we have a lot of students we you know I try really hard to um to give that opportunity because it's an opportunity that I never had Mm. and I think it's really important because um because we're such a, a a kind of open service in terms of we would see any condition any disability of anyone that you know that affects their mobility from all different ages the kind of client group that we see is so varied that it's a really really enriching experience for students because you know you get to see people um with some really quite rare conditions who you might not have see kind of on a general medical ward or in a in another setting of um you know a rehabilitation unit you might not necessarily see those people and um you know it's a real mixture of everything and that's just a really great experience i think and and again it gives them the the kind of variability of being in clinic and visiting and going to schools and working with different multidisciplinary teams as well so um uh, that's that, and yeah. I, think, I think that's the way i think you of course that's to have 15 students i mean it's that's amazing anyway i think and and that experience like you said mm. uh, being able to see all different types of conditions not it's not just the wheelchairs exactly it's the person of course it is of course it's about the person so even having the opportunity mm. to see the person and 
how they live and how Absolutely. functional they are, not all, how you can assist them by just using that wheelchair to assist Definitely. them to do what they want to do. It's pretty amazing. I, I, I love um, students. I think, like, I think, I think all qualified therapists should be taking on students uh, mm. if possible because that's the only way we can get people into specialist areas like this. Because absolutely, it took you, it took you four years before you even got to yeah, <laughs> yeah, to where you are. So actually, if someone's coming in now and saying, "Look, I've had this experience. I had like a ten-week placement in this area. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a rotation and I'm going to come definitely. back. Definitely, really want to come back. Is yeah. whatever setting you are is definitely it, it, it's really really important. And we've actually managed to recruit two of our previous students. So we've got two people in our team now who came to us originally on placement um and you know they both started at um kind of band five level one of them has been off and done a rotation and then came back as a band six so you know she it's just brilliant it's a way of growing the next future workforce really because yeah. you know it is so difficult to recruit i think for all for all of occupational therapy settings but particularly when you are a specialist area um you know and it's the perceptions out there i think having spoken to some ot's you know, there, I think there is a bit of a um, perception that wheelchairs, oh, it's just equipment provision. It's not very interesting. It's just handing out wheelchairs. It's not that exciting. Well, actually, it really is because, you know, if you're if you're looking at somebody who really can't hold their head up, who really can't, um, you know, support their their trunk and their posture. But if if it was all supported for them, actually, they can use their hands, then, you know, that's a really different experience. And if you're, um, you know, like I had a... I've, I supported a little boy, I think he was about five, and he'd always been in a postural buggy. So he'd always had somebody else pushing him around and he'd never been able to move himself. He can't move himself at all. Um, he wasn't able to crawl. Um, and, you know, we managed to, we, we put him in his first wheelchair and he literally whizzed across the room and squealed out, wow, I can move myself. And I just yeah. thought that was just fabulous. You know, why shouldn't he be able to chase his siblings around the living room? Cool. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, absolutely. Like I think you touched on, I think recruitment, recruitment is hard across mm. all occupational therapy areas or across all healthcare in general. Definitely. Um, but especially when you're a specialist area in my setting as well it's really difficult yeah. because, of, because of perceptions as yes. well. I think when once people get there mm. um, they were like oh wow but it's just about getting them through absolutely the door, yeah through the, through the door first and that's really. one of the reasons I got into Twitter actually was because I wanted to share some positive experiences and some of the different experiences that people might not have had of wheelchairs or might not know about wheelchairs so I do tweet a lot of geeky things of you know mm-hmm. I'm doing this in clinic or different pictures of some of the custom molded seating seats that we've made and things um just to kind of give that window into the service and a bit of a snapshot of what we do um and I did I wrote an article of a day in the life of a wheelchair therapist which is on the OT hub blog um and uh I've also actually infiltrated my local university. <laughs> um, as soon as they started offering occupational therapy, I was knocking on the door saying, hi, can, have you got wheelchairs on the agenda? Can I please put wheelchairs on your agenda? Oh, and um, thankfully they said yes. And I, I went and I've delivered a few workshops on wheelchairs and took some of our assessment wheelchairs in and sat them all in different sizes to kind of, you know, show the, the point of that wheelchairs come in lots of different shapes and sizes because people do and why, yeah. you know, of course they should. And um, and it's been received really well. So, you know, again, when I was training, we had, I think, an optional one day workshop in the third year. And that was it. That was that was all the wheelchair experience I had in my in my OT training. So, yeah. you know, if, 
if I can sprinkle yeah. posture and and positioning and and wheelchairs in in the course somehow, I will do. Uh, keep keep doing that. Keep doing yeah. that. You talk about Twitter. Um, how can people find you on there? Where, what, what's your so my my Twitter handle is at Lauren Osborne OT and Osborne is spelled O S B O R N E. There's no U in the middle. So okay. some people put a U in the middle. <laughs> I, 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 I will I will I will put you in the um, show notes so that people can um, thank you see what see what you tweet about and, and all your discussions on. Yeah, about. just want to say thank you so much for taking the time again. It's it's a fascinating area that I I've never worked in it before, but it, it makes so much sense. Um, yeah, to talk to someone um, who is interested in that area or works in that area so thank you um, very much for sharing you're welcome thanks a lot for uh, letting me come on and talk thank you so much lauren for taking up the time to come and speak to me about your area of practice sounds really really interesting really really specialist as well guys remember to catch up with lauren on twitter at her handle that she said it and also in the show notes and remember if you've enjoyed any of the episodes please share with your friends your colleagues and until next time stay safe